Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is founder and executive director of Love the Lou, Lucas Rugley. Welcome. Good to be with you. So, you know, full disclosure, I don't know a lot about you. And, you know, before we were just chatting, you didn't really know a lot about us. We gave you like the quick down and dirty about what we do. And uh, you might be wondering, why am I sitting here on this podcast? It was actually, yes, that was going through my mind. Like, how, how in the world is this going to work? Exactly. So one of our staff is friends with one of your interns and said, you have to feature Love the Lou. But what they do is incredible. You got to put a spotlight on them. And I've never heard of you. So tell us about you. Okay. I'll give you the quick version. Uh, so we, we got all the time in the world. It doesn't have to be quick. Let's go. All right, let's go. But medium, yeah. medium size. Uh, so my wife and I, we moved into North St. Louis. It's gone on 12 years ago. Okay. And just wanted to love neighbors. Uh, Where did you move from? Uh, well, I'm originally from Jackson, Missouri. Okay. Uh, Southeast Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, did some schooling up here in St. Louis, moved out to Oregon. Uh, we were married to, from the St. Louis part into the Oregon part, back to St. Louis. Um, so this is our 20th wedding anniversary coming up. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, 12 years in North City. So we... Uh, we've got four kids, and kind of the nonprofit started out of that. So kind of out of our home, um, loving neighbors. I mean, trying to uh, not just let that word love be a word, but act, turn into actions. And so just any way we can demonstrate um, love, which which uh, this was, you know, back in 2011. So it's, it's before Ferguson. It's before... Um, Honestly, before a lot of people were talking about there being any kind of issues with uh, division or segregation or, you know, racism or any of that. Um, And uh, we kind of got a firsthand look at uh, what it would be like to not just uh, hear stories, but live uh, with neighbors that have uh, stories of, uh, you know, kind of an impoverished neighborhood. Um, And uh, so so. A lot of our listeners are from St. Louis, but not everyone is. So could you talk a little bit about, um, are you in Old North or? So no, we're not in Old North. So our neighborhood is the Vandevener neighborhood. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about Vandevener and like maybe some unique challenges or maybe they're not all that unique. I don't know. What are some challenges of the Vanderloo neighborhood? So uh, coming north of Del Mar, so for those that are not in St. Louis, but like there's a pretty stark uh, dividing line. People and, call it the Del Mar Divide, right? So south of Del Mar, it's generally speaking higher SES status. Schools get more resources, and then north of Del Mar, yeah. Is and I, in our neighborhood, so like I like we live uh, just north of Del Mar, uh, which you would think, um, oh, you're close enough yeah. to. Um, but there's a it's a really stark difference. So my neighborhood, uh, my house, for example. Uh, costs a hundred and forty thousand. Really beautiful uh-huh. brick, uh, late eighteen hundreds house, three stories. Uh, that same house across the street uh, would be about five hundred thousand. Um, and so it's just a, a huge difference. Um, 
uh, north of Del Mar at the time was about 98% black. Mm -hmm. um, south of Del Mar at the time was about 75% white. Um, and so uh, you get into uh, just a pretty big stark division between socioeconomic, uh, race, uh, but uh, just way of living. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of my neighbors, uh, most of my neighbors are living below the poverty line. And the further north you go, the, the you know, it's just continuing on like with that evidence. So, um, so yeah, for the last 12 years, we've just kind of immersed ourselves in that. Uh, and yeah, where I sit today is I've learned so much that I think, I think, you know, going in, I had the goal of maybe making some changes or, 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 you know, showing these loving actions that can make changes. Uh, but I honestly feel like I'm probably the one that's most changed out of this whole experience. So, uh, it's been awesome. It has been, uh, it's been incredible. There's so many good people, uh, that are, that are neighbors to me and have been neighbors for me over the years. So when you talk about, you know, putting love into action, like what does that look like? Um, I guess one question I have is, are you a faith-based organization? What does it look like, um, you know, shutting down the street and having neighborhood block parties? Is it like both of those? Is it yeah, somewhere between? Yeah. Um, definitely uh, my family is just driven by that faith component. Okay. Um, so uh for me, I tried to early on, and we still try to do this, like really attach the work that Jesus did and to see what that would look like modern day in this context. So um, so early on, a lot of block parties, a lot of like just feeding neighbors, a lot, you know, like I would take my barbecue grill and just set it up on the front uh, on the on the front stoop there and, and just meet people and just talk to people and uh, really try to get to hear them and listen to them and and the more the more I've gotten to know Jesus, just over the years, I see uh, it, what it's done is it's softened my heart uh, to to be less about trying to be heard and and to, to try to listen more. And I think that's I don't think that's something that I really intended to do. I think that's just been Jesus kind of working on the inside of me. Um, and so we've just listened a lot um, and tried to continue to listen and and to learn from that. So I I appreciate you saying that, and I am sort of reflecting back to an episode that we, um, or a conversation that I had with my friend Dave, who runs an organization called R3 in East St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. yeah, do you know Dave? I know of him, him and we've, we've crossed paths a few different times. And one of the things that, you know, I asked him point blank is, you know, how how do you avoid or push against kind of the perception that you might be like tr uh like trying to be a white savior yeah right and you know he paused for for a minute and, and answered it more eloquently than i am right here but basically it was just like you know i'm just aware i'm just aware of how i'm showing up and all i can do is open my heart yeah. and hopefully people receive that so I'm going to kind of ask the same question to you. And and since it sounds like it's a whole sort of a family operation, you know, is that something that you and your family talk about is, you know, how do we come up? How do we show up in community and be in community? Not like we're trying to fix anything or save anybody. Right. So I think first step for me is realizing how much I need to be saved, um, <laughs> which 
which uh, is just true. Like um, the the more I'm in immersed in the environment, uh, and you feel the pressure, and you experience the trauma, and you go through it with neighbors, um, it really beats out the white saviorism. Which um, you know, I don't think I, I don't think I ever would have said coming in like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this. But I definitely had a purpose of like, hey, this is a place that needs help. And what I've what I've honestly seen is that I need help just as much, um, if not more. I am just as weak, if not more weak. And some of what I would have discounted in the past some of my neighbors that I might have discounted in the past for, and, and that gets into addiction and that gets into, you know, because some of the stigmas of what I believe, um, I actually see them as mentors to me and I'm not making that up, uh, like leading me, um, in, in a faith journey. And I, I never would have, if you would have told me 10 years ago that that was going to happen, like I would, I don't know that like, and, and I, I, so I think some of that uh, pride, arrogance, whatever that is, um, just had to get beaten out by experience. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 whether it's it's not even it's not even white or black as much as it is when you enter into some of these places, um, it's humbling mm -hmm. uh, to see uh, how much we all are saying that prayer give us our daily bread you know like that kind of that kind of thought uh so um yeah i i think that um i think there's probably still some aspects and where i'm i'm trying to like fix things mm -hmm. yeah uh i know i'm a fixer I, and letting go of that man is i know it's really hard i've gotten to the point now that in conversations with people i try to start by saying do you want me to like listen or do you <laughs> yeah. want solutions yeah like yeah. do you want me to commiserate with you or do you want me to try to solve it and I, I can just go straight into solving mode and that isn't super helpful yeah this is uh this is my whole marriage mm. you're describing right there so no I kidding to, i have to preface everything like, yeah am i fixing it? it am i listening what do you what do you need from me yeah. and i'm always wrong on that. yeah <laughs> i just want the record to stay <laughs> So you mentioned that you're from Jackson, yeah. And I'm I have a, a a colleague that she and I were talking the other day about the differences, but really the similarities between rural poverty and challenges and urban poverty and challenges. And poverty, I think, is closely linked with uh -huh. you know trauma and and substance use and all of the things. And so. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's it seems to me that it's usually one or the other. Like we're focusing on urban, uh -huh. quote unquote problems, or we're fo focusing on rural, quote unquote problems. And many times, the people in the urban core or in the rural areas, like they, they get othered, and then they end up othering each other because they're like, oh well all those city people get all the resources and all those rural people get all the resources. And a lot of, I mean, while the challenges are different, they're also very, very similar. They are, yeah. So do you see that in your sort of evolution? So my, uh, so my last name is Rugley. 
And if you go into Bollinger County and you hit some of the small towns near Marble Hill. Marble Hill, okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to run into that name. Uh, and they're, I'm so proud of the Rugby name, uh, but they are even more proud of the Rugby name. And it means something. And there's a loyalty that they have um, to the point where a lot of them haven't been outside of Bollinger County. <laughs> uh, so then I come and I'm living on Enright Avenue now and I'm getting to know my neighbors and they've kind of got this seven block radius where they'll walk and hang out and have all their relationships. And, and I mean, I've met neighbors who haven't been to the arch, you know, we rat kitted that. Isn't that mind blowing? Like that you could live less than a mile away from somewhere and have never been like, and, and I recognize the privilege that I am saying like that I have just by saying that. And I had students who had never, you know, been over to Illinois and I'm like, but it's tribal. It's it's like um, you know, like you, you're comfortable with your people. You yep. trust your people, um, and so that's a small circle in the city. You know, like that's yep. a certain block radius. Especially when you've been, or you feel as if, or you have been subject to, um, like you have a reason to mistrust because yeah. you you feel like you've been lied to or you have been lied to or you know and so it makes sense that you would want to sort of hunker down in a community because you're I'm trying not to curse this is why I'm trying to oh, go for it are you sure yeah, yeah yeah because you've been screwed over before right and so if you've been screwed over before then you're not going to trust and so wait. Screwed is the cursing or is No, that? I know. I'm just trying. I feel like you're a man of faith, and so I really have to watch my words here. But just to be, to it, have to be okay, all right. But I mean, no wonder if if you feel like people have just constantly screwed you over. Yeah. Why would why would you expand? Yeah. We, we wouldn't because those are the people that you trust because you know that for better or worse, like you can count on them. Right. And and. uh and then when you when you're isolated, and yeah, you're kind of living in that island, then you only know what you know, um, and then there's a lot of the world that you don't know, and then you're scared that so then the fear creeps in, and then outsiders, you know, and once again, no matter what skin color you are, but then the outsiders um, appear as threads, right? Um, and and so it's you against the world. Mm-hmm. We experience that a lot in this in the substance use field because there's been a lot of failed attempts at fixing or helping solve problems without actually involving the community. And it's usually driven by resources, right? So an organization, you know, like ours in the past and like, you know, several others have meant really well. They've gotten a grant. They've partnered with some sort of organization. Here's the or, here's the resource we're going to provide. Oh, the money runs out, and then we leave. And so, I think um, if the last couple of years have taught us nothing, it's that yes, we need to make sure these resources are sustainable. But we actually also have to be involving community members who live in community to tell us when and how and where we should be allocating the resources. Like, they need to be at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that that is something that you see quite a bit is when people come into your neighborhood with with solutions. Right. 
whether it's for a new grocery store or whether for its new housing facility. And, and is that also where your organization gets involved? Or Yeah. So, so early on, um, there were a lot of people um, who uh, were from the outside who knew us mm-hmm. and wanted to pitch in, however. So we have, like, one of the things that makes our uh, nonprofit unique is we'll have well over a 1,000 volunteers come in this year and, like, significantly give. Um, Wow. uh, No, it's it's really, I mean, it's a thing. It's, it's, uh, um, and most of those, most of those people are, like, white from the county. Uh Uh-huh. We work with a lot of churches, a lot of schools. Right, okay, okay. Um, and, and you, and so you bring in groups uh, yeah. and then a lot of individuals and, um, that's always, it always, there's always a little bit of nervousness that you have because in St. Louis, we, we don't get along well. Um, and we don't, we, we don't have diversity in relationships like we should, but Correct. We, need to, we need to grow in that. Correct. Um, and so, um, so anytime you're bringing two people groups together, um, and my neighbors, you know, are used to it being like, like I said, because 98% black and my family is the 2%, you know? So yeah. <laughs> right. It's, uh, so we're used to not trusting white people that come in. And I'm speaking that as a neighbor, like, like, why, like, why are you here? Course, yes. you know? Right, exactly. Um, and then you can flip that around and you can go into other neighborhoods in St. Louis and like they wouldn't trust other, you know, cultures or skin colors. Absolutely. Um, uh, and we just, that's kind of how we live. Like we have our housing. Um, most of it is, is not, not diverse. Uh, there's pockets and I, and I love some of the pockets of St. Louis that, that have, uh, a lot more diversity with it. Um, but anytime we're bringing in people from the outside and we do this regularly now, um, uh, there's that tension piece of what are they going to have as an agenda? Uh, how do we teach? How can we use this as a teachable moment? Um, and then what we've really tried to do recently um, in the last couple of years is we've really tried to to allow neighbors to to be the ones to lead. So it's always awesome. less about me. It's not it's never a perfect formula, but like, how can I, you know, we've got a bunch of 18 year olds, we've got a bunch of 20 somethings, you know, how can we give a platform for them to share their story, um, even if it's just for a minute? So that they're the one getting their voice amplified, um, and in doing so, you're you're almost flipping the script on what has been happening with that white saviorism mm-hmm. uh, piece because uh, everybody knows there's need in North St. Louis. So people coming in are expecting to give. What they're not expecting is to receive. Right. And if we can help foster that, that goes, I think, a long way for our city's reconciliation. So yes. Yes. So, and and I wrote something down because I want to come back to that. So when volunteers, which is amazing, by the way, that you have this many volunteers and they're giving their time and their, their treasure. Yeah. That's really incredible. What kinds of things are they doing? And do the neighbors come up with like projects, you know, or are they like this lot could be cleaned up or this, you know, we could serve food on this day? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. Um, Yes, uh, we we've identified a few. Um, what I would say, kind of like the key components to needs, um, like almost like our own needs assessment over mm-hmm. the years. 
Um, but we've we've seen uh, that housing is always a big always yeah. Um, there's twenty five thousand or at least I don't know what the most recent statistic statistic is, uh, but twenty five thousand vacant properties, vacant lots, um, uh, and most of those that's in the city limits, but most of those are on the north side. Right. Um, so it's it is not hard to find uh, issues, right. um, and and to uh, therefore it's not hard to meet needs. Um, we a lot of the neighborhoods. Um, like when you experience um, day after day, year after year, uh, trauma and isolation, lack of resources, um, no support, just like it causes almost this depression yes. to where um, it can be demoralizing if somebody comes into your neighborhood to clean it up. Yes. Um, I don't think people understand. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, what we have, what we try to do, is uh, get ahead of that, and ask the question: What do you want to do? What do you see? What do you? What is your vision? Um, and I'm not. I used to give this lip service, but I, I actually mean it now a lot more than I've ever realized it. I mean, my neighbors have some great ideas, and if I can listen to them, and hear them. Uh, then they're going to lead out with the vision. And it what ends up happening, this is really exciting, um, is the city is getting revitalized from within. Mm -hmm. So it's not a gentrification. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it it's it's a the the voice of the voiceless is is cutting through and and becoming a almost given a spotlight given that podium. And then, whether I like whether I like the idea or not, these ideas start to then come yeah. out, um, and so we have tried, I mean, all kinds of things. We've taken vacant lots, turned them into gardens. Cool. We've grown every kind of vegetable and flower. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to do any of that. Right, 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 right. Um, but there's a lot of neighbors who do, and there's a lot of outside volunteers who are great at like um, making all those connections. Um, at one point, we brought in chickens to the garden, and once again, like I don't know any, you know, anything about chickens. We had a couple of neighbors who got really excited about chickens. I had a boy who was at the time, I think he was like fourteen, and his his uh, backyard backed up to where the chicken coop was, and there, he he showed up on my doorstep to tell me the story. But the story he told me was that a hawk. Had come in and was trying, had pinned down on the chickens. And so he grabs a stick and he runs into the coop and he beats the hawk off and, and, and then, and then is able to save the chicken. Wow. And he's telling me this and it's all like a ton of adrenaline and stuff. He tells me this. I'm like, dude, like that is like, how, 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 how did you feel when you're done? Yeah. Used to me like that. Yeah. Like I'm like, <laughs> like, and, and, and we had, and we just had, like, there was a summer where we had all this chicken drama. And it was just like, <laughs> like a soap opera. Like, like we had, um, like I killed a possum. I felt really good about that. Oh, I, I, I apologize cool. to all the. PETA. Yeah. 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 Right. Under steel. Like he had it coming because he was, <laughs> there was a lot. Yeah. Had it coming. <laughs> uh, but like all of our neighborhood attention for, um, for my block and for, for a couple of surrounding blocks turned to these chickens. And when we did that, we forgot about, you know, all of the other 
shit, if I may, um, that was going on. And you, it was it was so cool to see how I had, you know, just thought maybe it was just about these physical things. And this is why I love the spiritual side of it too. And we talk about holistic, like, now these are, these are emotions that are getting attached within the relationships. We're doing these physical projects, but, but God ends up like doing a reconciliation work within all of us as neighbors too. And so anyways, I've, I've really enjoyed those kind of little things Yeah, uh, that just continually happen. So whether it's chick, I mean, we could go on right. about those kind of projects. Well, so how, so you mentioned that people find out about you and your group through your nonprofit, through churches and through schools. Do you get grant funding or is it mostly like private individuals? And do you get any funding from the city of St. Louis? Uh, there's some COVID relief funding. Cool. Okay. Okay. Uh, I would like to just give ourselves a plug for right now. Awesome. Um, this this is your opportunity. Yes. There you go. Um, most of our uh, funding comes from individuals. Cool. Like it has been, and I like I will say like this. See, we are the exact opposite. It is well. It's been really freeing to have like all of these people. Now it's difficult. Because we have a lot of people who give, um, give what they can, yeah, they have, and and love us and support us in that way. Um, it, but we don't have like, you know, these massive, you know, national. Yeah, you don't you don't have a Bezos or somebody. Yeah, we don't. But you have people who are making a, a large amount of people who are making a meaningful contribution yeah. to them. Yeah, and I think that actually fits who we are right. as an organization because we're so grassroots and a lot of times when you think of grassroots you think of oh small and maybe even like that's cute yeah i'm like oh good for you yeah yeah but started a nonprofit. how cute but then when you when that starts multiplying out yep and all of a sudden you're now in four neighborhoods and you're representing thousands of people you know but they each have like these individual connections and these individual relationships that's actually pretty powerful and and I don't, I don't know. I think that's what we're called to do for the rest of our existence is not necessarily to chase down like federal grants and that yeah. kind of thing, but to really, as best we can, keep everything local, names over numbers, um, and a lot of that kind of work. Um, I know that's not always uh, attractive when it comes to like policies and like, but but it is what St. Louis needs, I think. So, well, I think that's exactly what St. Louis needs because every area does have its own unique personality, right? Jeff Vanderloop yeah. has different needs than, you know, Walnut Park, and Walnut Park has different needs than fill in the blank yeah. and listening and doing a needs assessment, like you mentioned, yeah. formally or informally, and really listening to the residents and figuring out, like, what do they want and what do they need. I think that's what St. Louis needs. I also think. You mentioned it earlier, and I wrote it down. You were talking about diversifying your personal life. Mm -hmm. And that is something that requires intentionality, but that is so powerful. And as a matter of fact, in 2018, and I've shared this story on this podcast before, but in 2018, we started meeting with some diversity consultants. And they pulled me aside, and they after they interviewed me, and they're like, okay, look, your heart's in the right place, but we got to tell you. You have to diversify your personal life. The only people that you know that are different than you, you work with. Mm -hmm. 
and you're in a position of power. So it's a totally different relationship. Mm-hmm. And they said, and we're imagining like, oh, cute, you live in the city. Like, that's, you know, great. But how many of your neighbors do you actually talk to? Right. How, I mean, do you, I mean, look around at the grocery stores you go to. How many of those people look like you? And it was very hard for me to hear. And it really, it really upset me. But they were exactly right. But they have had to be intentional about it, particularly in a city like St. Louis. And that includes, you know, going out of my way to shop at some different places or really trying to make substantive friendships, not just like associates or acquaintances or people that I know on LinkedIn. Like that doesn't count. And it has made my life so much richer. Uh So I would imagine coming from Jackson and then moving out to Oregon, which is, I mean, there are pockets of diversity, but it's also pretty. Yeah, right. Okay. So I, you've had you. It was an intentional choice that you and your wife made, correct? Yeah. How did that come about, if you don't mind my asking? No, and uh, I don't mind uh, you asking at all. Like there, so there was a couple years worth of kind of agonizing over that decision. Um, and I like so we we prayed a lot. Um, uh, I um, I knew that we were going from Portland back to St. Louis. Um, and I knew that, uh, you know, that north side was going to be the area of the most need. Mm-hmm. And I'll say I'll say this from more of like my faith perspective. Um, but what was really interesting about while I was in Portland is that a lot of the people in Portland were not uh, what I would consider a Christian or believed in any, like, yeah, or any, you know, it was, yeah. it was, it was very spiritual, but it wasn't like. Like this, it was out of the Bible. Yeah, right. This is, it was a different, it's a different culture. It's a different world. Um, And those people out there had, in a lot of ways, better morals than I see, than I see here in St. Louis. And I really struggled with that because I thought the best morals should be Christians, you know, or, you know, like that, that was kind of my upbringing, mm-hmm. especially being Jack. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and so that was, that was challenging to meet people that were just really genuinely good people. Um, and then, and then, um, to begin to recognize some of St. Louis's flaws as a city, um, where we were deeply, deeply divided. And, and once again, at the time, nobody was really talking about right. it. Um, but we're still deeply, deeply deeply divided to the point where like with man we've gotta we've we've gotta make some change. It's probably not gonna be a top down change. It's gonna have to be these I individual changes. More. Um and so that that was what drove our decision. We really felt and my wife is awesome. I'm not just saying that because I'm hoping that she'll listen just to this part. And because you're like about to celebrate a, a pretty big twenty year. Yeah, yeah. I wanna make it to twenty. <laughs> uh um but the amount of faith that she has had, because we got four kids, and like my kids have been through tons of drive-by shooting, like mm-hmm. countless. Mm-hmm. You know, that's tough. That is hard to uh, to deal with. And what what is interesting from our perspective, and we have to we have to come back to this um, a lot, but um, we actually have a plan B. Like if if we chose to, like so we, you know, like if we we decided that we wanted to. Um, move back to Jackson or, you know, head out to the suburbs or something like that, we we, um, we could. Mm-hmm. 
I've got a lot of neighbors who who don't have that option, um, right? And they feel stuck, and and maybe maybe are stuck, and so um, even that speaks to my privilege and speaks to like, oh my goodness, like like, and so we've had to, like this has been a huge faith journey for us, like, um, and every time the way that faith has worked for me is like every time that I think I've given everything I possibly could give, there's just a little bit more that I have to get. I'm like, it's like so. I don't know that there's been a season where we haven't been stretched um, beyond what we thought we could handle. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around and you're like, but my neighbors have been doing this from day one. Right. There's some amazing faith that I need to learn from them and, and had been learning. So. so what you've touched on this a little bit. So what does success with Love the Lou look like for you and your and and your wife? What does that look like? Okay. Um I th- I think about this one a lot. Okay. Uh, I, I, I do. It, I, I'm not surprised. I'm going to give you 5 years ago I wrote it down. Okay. Um and I wanted uh, I I wrote down one city um meaning North City and other parts, uh, and I'll say North City, North County, um, are treated the same that other parts and have the same amount of resources. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, like we we live in a it's a food desert where we're asked. It is. Um, it's a resource desert. Like there's no like the banks aren't clamoring to get on page right now, you know, or MLK and and it. That that breaks my heart that kids can grow up and like I, I had a kid that celebrated his birthday. This was years back, but he had never been to Walmart and he's like, Hey, can we go to Walmart? You know? And and like but there's Walmart doesn't want to be where we are. And um and so the that kind of thing I think um it gets into, and I don't want to be preaching, but it gets into the heart of God. Like, I think he cares about those kind of uh, inequities like there. Um, and so to 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 elevate uh, the neighbor's lives um, is, uh, is a huge piece into experience life. That's what I would have said five years ago. Um, I am learning, and this is, this is where I'm at this year. I think my neighbor's, if, if, People would listen. I think they could lead, and I—I I don't mean this like as I, I want them to rise above everybody else and then crush everybody. Like it's mm-hmm. not that. Like I think that there are future presidents, mayors um, that I'm working with every day, um, leaders, um, and it—and they're not drawing attention to themselves. I've got—I've got a few examples off the top of my head where they don't want it. That—that's not their. But like when you get to know them, these are some of the strongest individuals that you will ever meet. And they should be writing books and doing movies and like everything about their life is inspiring. And I've got so many stories where I've seen like these matriarchs like pick up an entire block and just own it. And like they're not scared of gangs. They're not scared of gunshot. None of that. And and they just run with it and it changes over. And like we've seen it happen multiple times now where like uh, a whole section of North City like like kind of is like oh okay we're following and I can give you Miss Sharon I can give you Mr. Lana and give you Keisha 
I, we can go down the list of just some really strong individuals that I don't want them just getting jobs like and getting paychecks. I want to learn from them and I want them to have as much voice as they as they feel called uh, to have. And so um, so that's a little different than just mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a level playing field, although I think that's a piece of it. Um, I think it's now talking about like who has God made them to be and can they be it? And helping. Yeah. Providing the resources and access to the resources so that they can realize who God has, what God wants them to be. Yeah. Like yeah. Helping them actualize. Yeah. And then when you, when you begin to think of it like that, poverty is less about money. And it's more about not realizing why you're even here, you know? And so then you start getting into like... Oh, that's pretty powerful, I gotta say. It's pretty that was just off the top of my head. That was really... Let's, you should like write that down. That was right yes. here, write it down. That was really good. I can't even repeat it. That's... Yes, but it was... Well, we'll do it in playback. But okay. that was... that was yeah. It's actually very powerful. Um, But it, but it, there's there's so much truth to that because like... And what, what I'm seeing is... A bunch of of neighbors who would be labeled poor, who aren't poor at all. Yeah, and that's what I want St. Louis to realize is like if you heard or if you watched or if you walked alongside for even a week, you personally would grow so much. Um, and so it has very little to do once again with that wallet size, and everything to do with your where your mind is and and who who you are becoming and, and how you're getting there. I feel like we could keep talking for a very long time. And, you know, I I appreciate all you're doing in Jeff Vanderloo, but I appreciate how you're doing it. Um, because as a person who is not a believer, um, I did not find anything you said, like, off-putting or too off the rails or anything like that and I do believe that what you're you're doing is you're speaking to the human spirit mm. which I mean if I believe in anything I believe in humans mm -hmm. and you are one human you have a whole group of humans who are quite literally just like working together to raise everybody up neighbor by neighbor and that's really incredible so yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to be here thank you for what you're doing in the city uh if people want to volunteer, donate, find out more, where would they go? And we'll put the links in the chat, but where would they go? Yeah, lugaloo.com. Uh, and that'll get that'll get to our team. Lugaloo.com. Uh -huh. Okay. And there's uh, social media out there yeah. and stuff, and, and that's all beyond me. I know. We'll tag all of that. We'll we listen. Blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll, we'll do all of that. <laughs> Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. If you like what you heard, if you want to learn more about Love the Loo, Please consider reading, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.